This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 253, and tonight we are kicking off, however late we're kicking it off, we're still kicking it off, Women in Horror Month, and we're doing that by talking about American Mary, directed by the Saskatoon Twins. Written, I should say, written, directed, and produced by the Sasuke Twins and starring Kevin Isabel. And it's going to be a grand old time. So if you are new to the show, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh. And normally, twice a month, every month, I am your guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. Except you're going to have to watch them through my very, very gay little eyes. What does that mean? You'll find out, I guess. I don't know. But before we do that, we have to have a little talk. First of all, my apologies for disappearing. Uh, It's been almost a month since I released an episode, since Twice Upon a Time came out. And there... (sighs) Bad things happen. And it's been a very, very hard time. I hit... No, I didn't quite hit rock bottom, but I got very... Very, very close. Some of you already know this, but I can't move forward until I address it with all of you. Um, shortly after that episode came out, uh, there was an incident that happened, and I'm not going to go into the details because I just can't go there yet. I can't. I This incident hurt me so badly that I lost faith in everything. I lost faith in myself. I lost faith in... In my show, in this, I lost faith in this. I lost faith in myself. I lost faith in the show. I lost faith in everything that we do here, everything that we've done here, and everything that I had been planning to do here. I became incredibly depressed to the point where I did have to call a hotline. I'm doing better now, but just want to know that was where things went. It was very, very, very bad. And then, when everything got back on the upswing and I started getting into production again, I was tinkering with the website and, you know, was trying to get things all optimized for WordPress, blah, blah, you don't care. I did something wrong with the code and wound up locking myself out. There was absolutely no way for me to log in to get the American, this episode out to you on time last week. None. So I had to hire somebody to come in and they fixed it. And here we are. And it's... I'm happy to be back. Don't get me wrong. But just sitting here is making me go back over all the things that got me to the bad place in the first place, if that made any sense. And I'll work through it. And hopefully we can work through this together. Because it's going to be rough. But after eight and a half years, you guys have been up with me. You've been down with me. You've been, We've gone all kinds of places together. And right now we're on a downswing. But... There is no place to go but up from here. So hooray for that. We are going to keep 
the frou-frou short because the show is already late. Uh, there are some voicemails that are still waiting to be played. I just cannot do them this time. And I hope you understand that. Uh, Robin and, and um, Carly, I got you. We'll play you soon. And, hey, you know what? Speaking of Carly, there's a brand new logo. It's going to be debuting soon. There's going to be all kinds of merch coming out. So I'm excited about that. So that is something to look forward to. You are going to be so excited by that. But you know what? Enough of this babbling. Let's just get down to business and start talking about American Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get into the discussion of American Mary, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the women behind American Mary, and that is the infamous and delectable Saska Twins, also known as the Twisted Twins. Now, I first heard of them years ago, and I think it was through the Drunken Zombie Film Festival. It was when their first movie, Dead Hooker in a Trunk, premiered, and it was all anybody could talk about. Now, I never got to see this one. I was going to cover it on the show, but right around this time was when I had just covered Ticked Off Trannies with Knives. And I got a lot of flack for covering that because the word trannies is in the title and I was not as woke as I am now to that whole sensitive issue. And I get it now, but that's the name of the movie. Okay, we're not talking about that. But right after that was when the word Hooker started to become a dirty word, and you're supposed to refer to them as sex workers now. And I said, I don't want another, you know, public affairs debacle like I had when I covered ticked off trannies with knives. So I let it slide. So, and they began to emerge more as personalities for me. But just let me talk about them for a bit. They're from Canada, yeah, Canadian-born. They are identical twins. Talk about Jen and Sylvia Saska. Yeah. So that was their first movie, Dead Hooker in the Trunk. They followed it up with this one, American Mary, and I'm amazed. Initially, when I first started to see them, you know, popping up in magazines and talked about on sites, I'm like, oh, okay, they're like every girl you see at a horror convention, you know, that's this costume they wear, not a costume. This, this is them, and they're glorious. They, they shine. They remind me of a friend of mine. She won Scream Queen of the Week and has since tragically passed away. She was a mortician, and she loved everything dark and ugly, and she would be able to make you see the beauty in things that were really ugly. And the dark made her shine. Like, the dark was her light. That's what the Saska twins remind me of. Their other movies, I've only seen one other one, which was See No Evil 2, which was a huge improvement on the first one. I had my issues with it, but, you know, they did miracles with what I thought was a shitty original piece of work. And I have not seen ABCs of Death 2, which they also worked on, and apparently has a bunch of people from American Mary in it. And to top it all off, they are big proponents of equal rights. And not just for the LGBT community, but for everybody, for women, for everybody, for minorities, for you got, you name it, they're out there covering it. They're active in that, and I love that. And they even have a blood donation thing that they they, they run. This this uh, not well, that, that they run, but they promote blood donation during the month of February for women in horror month, and I think that is sensational. I love that way to give back to the community in a huge, huge, tangible way. I think they're fabulous, and. I'm glad you guys voted this movie for me to watch because I wouldn't have picked it. I was actually leaning towards Ravenous. I'm like, eh, I saw this. It was okay. Watching it this time, it just struck me in a completely different way. And I really, really deeply appreciate 
the artistry behind it because it's not just horror. They made horror beautiful for this film. So hats off to you, Saska Twins, and I look forward to devouring everything that you've made and everything that you're going to make. You know what? I forgot. I forgot. I forgot about that TV show they had for a while, Elevator, which was a totally stupid show, but they made it better. Like every time they were on screen, the show lit up. It was some game show. It was like a horror-based game show, and people had to go through scary scenarios. And there's been a couple of those, but this one came closest to being what I wanted from such a thing. But you know, I think what I would want was people to be an actual danger. <laughs> but, you know, but that's never going to happen. But anyway, they made it as delightful as they can make something silly like that. And I think they're great. I think they're fabulous. And this movie is a fucking gorgeous opera of a film. So let's get into American Mary, shall we? Oh, yes, we shall. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Yeah. It says here that you've been late on a payment. $364 should be enough. What's the least that I could put on? $364. I quit med school today. That shouldn't come as a surprise to you. It's uh, my resume. No, you don't need it to work here, but it is nice to find out some of your dirty secrets. Want to be a doctor? Surgeon. Follow me. What do I have to do? Yeah, we prefer if Rat was not to die tonight. You can put the bed down, Doctor Mason. I'm just a desperate woman looking for help. What exactly does she want me to do? Okay, so American Mary is the story of Mary Mason, who is played by the can-do-no-wrong Catherine Isabel. You know Catherine Isabel. She was in the Ginger Snaps series. She was in the Ginger Snaps series, and she's also in Freddy vs. Jason, or Freddy vs. Jason, if you prefer it that way. Why am I talking like this? I don't know. What a great start we're off to already. Anyway, Mary Mason is a medical student, and she's quite a brilliant one, but like so many people... In advanced education, she's got tons of money problems, and uh, she's having a hard time in class as well just because, you know, well, she's too smart. And, you know, the patriarchy don't like smart girls, so they're always giving her a hard time, particularly Dr. Grant, her instructor. So the first part of the movie is just getting into her world. You know, she's smart, she's sassy, she's on top of everything, but except finances, but man, she can't get a break. And 
In order to pay some of these mounting debts, she answers an adult classified ad online for a non-sexual job at an adult emporium, which turns out to be the bourbon agogo. Not the Whiskey-A-Go-Go. Well, it's like the Whiskey-A-Go-Go, but more Louisiana, except it's not Louisiana because it's Seattle, but it's not Seattle. It's Canada. Because American Mary is a Canadian movie. First of all, I just want to digress already because the title of this movie has always driven me crazy, and I'm going to assume that it's something that the distribution company stuck on it because it makes no sense. Nobody ever says it. It's not referenced. I mean, even as... Mary rises to glory as she does in this film among the bod mod community. I'm ahead of myself. She becomes known as Bloody Mary, which would have been a better title, except then you think you're probably going to get a movie about the urban legend. So I can see why they didn't go with that. I don't know what the story is, but this title bothers me. But she goes to apply for this job. And while she's there, there is an incident. Now, she's already established with the guy that she's interviewing with, Billy, who owns the club that she's a medical student because she hands him a resume for what is essentially a, you know, a masseuse job. And he's making fun of her about it, but then it turns out he's going to need her really badly because they got somebody in the basement who got beat up a little too bad. And Mike dies. He offers her $5,000 on the spot to take care of his dirty business. What level are you at to becoming a surgeon? I'm still always off. I have a residency program to complete, but I've done almost all the schooling. Do you want to make five grand? What do I have to do? No questions asked. After you're done, I hand you $5,000, and you don't have to show me your tits. What do you want me to do? You know what? Fucking forget it. I'll do anything you want for 5000 cash. Being a girl in need, opportunity does not need to knock twice for Miss Mary. Nope, she jumps right on that. And so begins a series of events which will document the rise of Bloody Mary and ultimately the fall of Bloody Mary. Because this story, like many operas, is a tragedy. Now, you keep saying opera. What does that mean, Patrick? I'm like, well, I'm just saying. Remember that interview I did with Bart Mastronardi? And he talks about how in the original Carrie, like, all the plot lines and the emotional levels are operatic in strength. That's what this means. Like, nothing – it's not like things are surreal, but everything's just a bit heightened here. And it adds to the beauty of everything. And I can't really explain it any more than that, but just go with me on this. Back to the story. She's sickened by what she's done. Yeah, she helped somebody, but it was it was seedy and it was gross and it was, you know, violent. And, but but, but and she vomits afterwards, which I love. And this struck me, too. She's so freaked out by what she's done that she spends the night sleeping on the couch with a baseball bat, ready just in case, you know, something backfires and bad people start to bust in the door. And this rang with me because, you know, those of you who have been with me for a while might remember that it was a year ago at this time that I was robbed by my roommate at the time. And I recorded that whole episode of Terror Train in front of my door armed with a police baton. In case he tried to get in because the landlord couldn't get in to change the locks for a couple of days. Yeah, this rang with me like, bitch, I've been there. Oh, God, what a terrible feeling. Oh, my gosh, you didn't even do anything wrong. You did a good thing. But, man, that fear, that fear, I totally connected with Mary here. But here's the thing. Mary's got other things to worry about. She's got a residency starting up. So she's particularly horrified when she starts getting phone calls from someone asking for Dr. Mason 
And whoever's calling is calling in this little teeny tiny voice that sounds like this. And she tells him, oh, no, no, I'm not Dr. Mason. You don't know me. And she's like, yeah, I got your number from your resume from the bar. Which is why you put as little personal information as you can on any resume, kids. This stuff is dangerous. It just gets thrown out. You never know where it's going to wind up. But that's not the point right now. Into her life walks Beatrice. Beatrice is one of the more colorful characters of the film. If she's animated, she's perky, she's bubbly, she's sparkly, and she is uncanny. But... What do you see when you look at me? Kind of resemble Betty Boop. Kind of. Well, it's a little uncanny. (laughs) I'm lucky enough to be able to afford to make myself look on the outside the way I feel on the inside. 14 different surgeries to get me to look like this. Some going out of the country to find the best doctor for the job. In my travels, I met another girl like me. But she hasn't been able to find someone to finish her. I want to hire you. Well, I'm not a doctor. I told you that. I want to pay you $10,000. Cash. That ought to solve your money problems for a while. Especially with what Billy gave you last night. I'm not doing what I did last night again, ever. I'm not asking you to. She's just... She's a nice girl who wants an unconventional operation. How unconventional? She just wants some skin removed for, um, cosmetic reasons. Now, you might have noticed that I said uncanny and Mary said uncanny when describing Beatrice. What does that mean? Well, Mary said that she looks like Betty Boop, and she's not kidding. She's like a cartoon version of Mary, of uh, Betty Boop come to life, but not quite. She's sitting right there in that uncanny valley. Like, we've all seen those reality shows about the real-life Ken doll and the real-life Barbie doll. She looks like that. Like, it's almost perfect, but not quite. Like, the nose is caving in a little bit. The lip, the upper lip doesn't move when she talks. And it's just enough to make you really just a tiny bit unsettled. And There's another character like this who we're about to meet, Ruby Real Girl. The makeup on both of these actresses was so good that I had to look them both up because I was wondering, did they hire people for these roles who had this kind of surgery done? Because those people are out there and other people from the body modification community do show up in the movie to show show off their actual – the work that they've had done. It turns out they have not. So hats off. To the makeup designers on this film, they did an amazing job with both of these characters that it just, every time you you can't take your eyes off of either one of them. And the fact that the characters are both so engaging on top of it really adds to it. And Beatrice is a fantastic character and I couldn't get enough of her. But anyway... Mary decides she's going to do the job. They have to do it in a vet office after it's closed because that's fun. But she still doesn't know what she's in for. But she finally meets Ruby Real Girl, who again is like this. She's more like the living Barbie doll type to find out exactly what this cosmetic procedure is. And let's just say Beatrice undersold it a little bit. Hi. Hello, doctor. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, 
what are we doing here? Um, I don't think it's really fair that God gets to choose what we look like on the outside. Do you? I'm sorry. That's not really a fair question. It'll probably surprise you, but I've never had any of these surgeries to become a sexual object. You don't work with Beatrice? Oh, no. I'm a fashion designer. Ruby Real Girl Designs. Oh. No one looks at dolls in a sexual manner. Do you know why? I don't know why. I guess it's because they don't have all their parts. Exactly. You understand perfectly. A doll can be naked and never feel shy or sexualized or degraded. That's what I want. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not really understanding you. Just take these off and seal up this as much as possible. Take off the extra bits, too. Can you excuse me for just a moment? And it was here that my judgment of the film from when I first saw it really began to change because, I mean, it was a while ago when I saw it. It's, you know, it's... Times have changed in just a few years since this movie came out. And I said, huh. Initially, I was horrified. I was like, oh my God, she wants to take all of her sexual parts off and get herself shown up? That's sick. Now I looked at it and said, who did this to you? Who made you ashamed of who you are? To the point where you want to remove anything that sexualizes you in any way. Especially coming from a fashion designer who makes incredibly sexy dresses for women, which we'll get to later, since that's a very important part later on in the film. And if somebody wants to have that taken away, then why why the fuck not? If you get a competent doctor to do it, someone like Mary who's going to do it with care and with the best in the best possible scenario, I mean, why the fuck not? I mean, I get why people don't do it, but I, Anyway, it just was it was curious to see how my, my views on this had changed. I just cuz I just said, "Who did this to you, baby girl? Who made you feel this ashamed of who you are?" And if this is what you need to be happy, it's not hurting anyone. If you can have it done and done right, so that you're still able to function and urinate and everything and it still works, then just go ahead and do it. And Mary clearly has the same issue because, well, she goes storming off to Beatrice. She really wants this. Oh, yes. She's dedicated her whole life to this. Something wrong? Nope. And that is all Mary needs to know. No moral judgment. None of that. She just wants to make sure that this is truly what this patient wants. Because this is something... There's no time. There's no turning back once you've had a surgery like this. And the last thing you need is an unhappy patient saying that I never wanted this done. She did this and you did it illegally. And well, it's a whole mess. It's a whole mess. And so the surgery proceeds and it's a huge success. Now, I could have sworn that the surgery scenes in this were a lot worse than they are. They're not bad. I mean, they're gory. I mean, this is coming from someone. I this is something I can't watch. Like when I watch those medical shows, even when they're a fake medical show, like St. Elsewhere or 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 what's that other one? You never the other one. Any of those medical. Like whenever they're operating, they're, they're showing the people with the hands and people. I'm dry heaving. I can't stand it. And especially on those like real surgery shows, I can't watch any of that. I was able to watch all of this. 
couple of flinches here and there, but for the most part, it's artfully done and not exploitive. It's actually quite beautiful in its own right. And this is what I'm saying, what I was saying earlier about making the hideous or the grotesque or what in a different light would seem monstrous, seem beautiful. She's doing a good thing for a woman. She's making a woman finally feel safe in her own body and good for her. And the other thing I want to address here really quickly is the sexuality of the movie. It's there. Uh, I mean, Mary is always dressed to the nines, looking amazing. But (laughs) there's nudity, but it's very restrained, which I wouldn't have expected once upon a time. I, I would have, I, this is the kind of movie that I figure if you're going to be doing body modification, we are going to exploit every fucking part of the body for all it's worth. And it's really not. There's some clinical nudity. Like there's a, there's a shot of a breast here. Very long breast shot. The breasts aren't long, but the shot is. Shut up. Where the nipple is slowly getting removed, which you don't see. You don't see. It's cold and clinical and kind of beautiful in its own right. And and later on, the scenes at the strip club at the Whiskey A Go Go, where you see girls stripping in the background, you think, oh, a movie that's set at a strip club with lots of hookers running around. I'm sorry, sex workers walking around. There's going to be tons of nudity. There's not. Sometimes you see one of the dancers with their top off, but they're so far in the back that they've been desexualized. And it's nice. Mary's got a couple of um, sexy scenes, but it turns out none of them are actually happening. There's somebody else's fantasy. I just find it interesting. It's a nice detachment from sex, which you don't often get in horror. And that's okay. It all works here. And I, I can't really explain it any more than that. Um, anyway, where are we? So, the surgery was a huge success. It worked perfectly. Everything went fine. Ruby's going to be okay. But Mary is again horrified and sickened by what she's done. She did it. She did it with a straight face. She did it with that clinical detachment of a surgeon. But once it's done, she throws up again. And once again, she says, enough is enough. Please do not give my name or information to any of your friends, okay? Of course not. This was an exceptional circumstance. Good good luck. Wait. What shall I tell Ruby to call you for a website when she updates the body mod community? Make something up. So once again, we begin to get hints of Mary being torn between these two worlds. Her life as a potential future surgeon, where she will be brilliant. And there's a recurring theme in this. Like she keeps being told by her instructors that you know surgeons can't make mistakes. And it's alluded to that surgeons can be horrible people as long as they're brilliant. So she's got a choice between that life or this other life that keeps presenting itself to her in the Bodmod community. Where not only could she be brilliant, she could be an artist and very possibly a god in her own right. And this is when something started to ring with me that uh, Dan Cohen had said, guest Dan Cohen from the 
Killing Your Darlings episode during the Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Verdon episode. He's like, he's just drawn to people who are chasing their dreams. Like, he loves stories like that. So even with Leslie Vernon, who wanted to be a serial killer, he was able to connect with that emotionally. It's like, I get this. Like, she's being called between this conventional life or something that's outside of the box, something that's relatively uncharted, where she could be everything. And this time, I was in... Real hard. But she hasn't made her choice yet. So she begins her residency at the hospital where we get to meet Dr. Walsh. Never, ever, ever trust a Dr. Walsh. As a matter of fact, never trust anybody named Walsh. Why on earth would you say that, Patrick Walsh? No reason. Let's listen to a clip. I am very impressed with what I've been seeing, Mary. I can't wait to see how you perform when you start cutting into people. <laughs> You're going to be a great slasher. Pardon me? Sometimes we call surgeons slashers. You must have heard that. You do develop a grim sense of humor when you cut into people on a daily basis. And the adrenaline rush you get from slicing into a human being may help you through your most sleep-deprived days. Looks better than espresso. So, of course, this is Mary's new boss, Dr. Walsh. Got to impress Dr. Walsh. Got to keep Dr. Walsh happy because he's head surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. The male characters in this movie, almost uniformly, are pigs of one form or another. Either they're, you know, violent criminals or abusers or ineffectual or flat-out monsters. And it turns out the biggest monsters in this, well, it's not Mary. It's not the Bodmon community. It's the surgeons. Mary, I'd like to talk to you about something without any of the others around. What? Some of the surgeons from the hospital are getting together tonight for drinks. We are wondering if you'd be able to attend. For drinks? With other surgeons? Yes. I talked to Grant's home. Do you have the address? No, I, I don't have the address. I'll email it to you. You'll come then. I would love to. Does he know you're inviting me? It was his idea. Come around 10. We should have everything at a good pace by then. Okay. Good. Come on, we have rounds to do. Cunts and runs. A simple enough invitation. Innocent on all rights. And really, what resident doctor wouldn't jump at the chance to spend an evening socializing with their future bosses, getting to know them on a more personal level than you're going to on the floor of the hospital. Who wouldn't jump at this chance? Of course, we know what kind of movie we're watching, so every alarm bell in my head is going off. Don't you go to that party, Mary. Nothing good is going to happen to you at that party, Mary. And it doesn't. But there's one more factor that I would like to point out that has to come into play before we go to this party. And that's the thank you gift from Ruby Real Girl. Beatrice, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, you said not to call. Shh. 
showing up is first and calling by a lot. <laughs> How did you find me? Oh, I just looked up the name of your school on your resume, and then I called your school to find out where the hospital was at that you were doing your residency. And then I just decided to come here and show up and wait. What is this? <laughs> you do know what it is then. <laughs> okay. Ruby designed it for you special. She wanted to say thank you. She was going to drop it off herself, but I said I'd deliver it. I know you don't want stranger looks. Yeah. <laughs> I tell her thank Thank you for me. She didn't really have to do this. She really didn't have to do that. Oh, she wanted to do it. To say thank you. You should check out her website. She puts up all kinds of new pictures. Yes, as a thank you gift, Miss Mary has received a gorgeous, gorgeous, one-of-a-kind designer gown from Ruby Real Girl. So, of course, she's going to wear it to that party to impress all the surgeons. Yeah! It might be awfully low cut for a business party, especially, you know, if you're trying to make an impression with your future bosses and things like that. And, you know, well, maybe a warning bell should have gone off that this party is something that the other interns weren't supposed to find out about. And maybe she should have known better. And this is not a movie, you know, that's what I would have thought five years ago when I watched it. I'm like, well, why on earth would you wear that? Why on earth would you go to this party? Are you stupid? No. I totally get why all these things happen. And, okay, maybe the dress is a bad choice, but is it an excuse for what's about to happen to her? No. No, it's not. But the fact that this could all be so easily turned around on her was one of the creeping horrors of the movie. I kept waiting for this shoe to drop that she was going to get blamed for what's about to happen to her. Because she gets to this party and it is not okay. Mary Mason. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I know you from somewhere. What did you say in Have a drink. <laughs> Um, are you a surgeon at the hospital? I'm a fucking motherfucker. <laughs> no, seriously, babe. I cut people up for a living. <laughs> cut, 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 cut. <laughs> Dr. Black, I see you've met Mary. Hi. I'm Don Walsh. Enjoy the party, sweetie. Thank you. Now, of course, every warning bell in my head is going off watching the scene and also there's an additional visual element this guy who greets her at the door who you just heard is escorting her through the party expertly so that she is never looking in the places where she really really needs to be looking because this party is well it's a whole bunch of surgeons and there's some women there too and all of the women seem to be in some kind of distress of one form or another or in some situation that doesn't really look normal from the somewhat distance we're seeing it from but she's not getting a look at all that because this doctor is making sure of that making sure her eyes are never in the right place so that she doesn't see what's coming yeah 
Dr. Grant is there too. That doc, well, you know, one, this doctor who was a teacher, where her teacher at school before she started the residency. It turns out he's there too, and he's got a very special drink for her. One with a little extra ingredient. Yeah, Mary winds up being drugged and raped by Dr. Grant at this party, and Lord knows how many other people. And she's not the only one. Because when you're a surgeon, and you're brilliant, and you don't make any mistakes, who gives a shit about your personal life? Nobody cares. It's the lesson of the first half of the movie. Again, the scene is done as tastefully as it can be done. The rape is not super graphic. It's disturbing. But it's done as tastefully as you can do this sort of thing. And that somehow makes it more shattering. And to topple it off, topple, top it all off, it's videotaped. And of course, this is the breaking point for Mary. Because, well, these surgeons, you know, they've been doing this for a long time. Presumably, this is what they do. It turns out they've been keeping an eye on her. And they've seen all of a sudden she's got this extra money coming in. She's got these curious characters poking about. They think that she's a prostitute on the side, which probably isn't very uncommon. You know, you hear the jokes about, you know, oh, she's making her way through medical school as a stripper or whatever. Shit's expensive. I mean, what the heck? I mean, that, that, that seems to be a perfectly viable solution to the problem. So you got to pay these bills somehow. They're insurmountable, for God's sake. I don't blame a girl for that, or a woman for that, I should say. But they don't know what Mary's really been doing. But Dr. Grant is about to find out. I quit med school, today. That shouldn't come as a surprise to you. I'm guessing you thought I went into prostitution. And that's why you invited me to the party last night. I didn't. Please hold still. To John now. I'm changing specialties, Dr. Grant. Have you ever heard of body modification? <laughs> Neither had I. Anyway, you know how you're always, always telling me that surgeons can't make any mistakes. So, in spirit of practice, I've come up with a little list of the most popular procedures that we are going to try on you tonight. So, we have tongue splitting, Implants, sometimes referred to as 3D implants. 
case filing, genital modification, and voluntary amputation. So, I think we should get started. We have at least 14 hours of surgery ahead of us, and I would like to get it all done in one session. So, just going to grab your little tongue right here. Isn't this fun? I'm still learning from you. So, it is at this point that it seems our Miss Mary has crossed a line. A point of no return, if you will. Much like the surgery that she did on uh, Ruby Real Girl. No going back on this now. You can't kid yourself that what you just did to that man was freeing his inner self. It was artistry. No, that was cold-hearted revenge. Deserved? Yes. But delivered with that cool clinical detachment that everybody wants in a patient, a doctor's bedside manner, right? Sure. Well done. Well done. It's also here that the movie crossed the point of no return. Well, there was a point of no return here, and I was wondering which way it was going to go because, okay, now she's an avenging angel. She's not just an artist who works in blood and flesh. She is going to get back at the surgeons and do horrible things to them out of anger and spite. No. Not so much. That's not the focus of things. She doesn't become a monster. Does she have monstrous parts? Yeah. Yep, because as her career keeps rising in the bod mod community and she gets more and more famous and does more and more extreme things that come out beautifully or horrifically depending on how you look at it it's not enough it's not enough to quell this anger that is brewing inside of her and this is where Catherine Isabel is just fabulous too because I told you like she's detached not detached but she's got that you know deadpan sort of delivery in this which is great You kind of don't want to know what your doctor's really thinking, right? I guess not. But what's interesting here, like when she's reaching the point where she technically becomes a monster and starts doing horrible things to people against their will, she doesn't become a raving lunatic. No, 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 no. She actually keeps getting quieter and quieter and quieter and more soft-spoken. And I thought, what an interesting choice. This hunger is not being met by her art. She needs to hurt people who don't want to be hurt. Who aren't going to be freeing. Who aren't going to be freeing their true self on the inside if they can't afford it. So maybe after all this time, this is who Mary was all along. Not just the artist, but the monster too. And I think all this is fabulous. Fabulous. And the quieter she gets the scarier she gets. There are a couple of scenes where you keep hearing how people in the bar, because she's still working at a Bourbon A Go-Go, you know, doing surgeries in the basement when she can or at that vet's clinic. 
you hear that people who work there are kind of afraid of her. And there's a scene towards the end that's great. She comes into the ladies' room, and there's a bunch of the strippers in there, and they just bolt. They're just like, no, no, you got to go by. I'm like, <laughs> None of them said a word, but man, I said that. You didn't have to see any scenes of her being scary toward the strippers because that told you everything you needed to know. And that's the other way. Like I started to say that the movie could have gone a couple of different ways. The movie could have wallowed in this body horror place and just kept getting more and more extreme with it and they don't like this the revenge against dr graham you don't see anything well not right away you see the results much later on in the movie but in the hands of another filmmaker <clears throat> eli roth he would have seen every <clears throat> cut and suture and <clears throat> amputation and whatever else was going on sorry i got something caught in my throat i can't imagine what that would be it's the truth that's what it is it's the truth Okay, so maybe the police are on to your sordid crimes and, oh yeah, there's that whole other lifestyle that you're living now that's also totally illegal, even though you're making people happy. Wait a minute, that's in the past now because how can you be sad when you've got titties and shrimp waiting for you in the future? Possibly an entire lifetime of titties and shrimp if she plays her cards right. So all of a sudden, you know, we're on a bit of an upswing. Now the bouncer came in and lifted the mood just a bit because it turns out Beatrice has got some great news too. Ruby's been out of town for a little while, but she wanted me to give you something. Oh, where is she? I don't know. She gets bored very easily. She's a very strange girl. I don't know if Ruby had a boyfriend. She has many. That's of a husband. I found what I was looking for. What is it? It's your Sistine Chapel. Looks like something that could have been sent over email. Hmm. They run the largest body modification website in the world, abstract.me. I've heard of it. <laughs> of course you have. They also have a magazine by the same name, and they feature all kinds of strange and wonderful things. They want you to work on them ever since they saw the work you did on Ruby. They want me to do work on them? Mm-hmm. They're going to be in town for one week. I'm sure Billy wouldn't mind you using his office to meet with them. Holy shit. It's the Saska twins. They want Mary to do an operation on them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Except it's not the Saska twins. It's like the, 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 the Elvis Presleys or I don't know, the Lady Gagas of the of the Bodmod community. Like they, 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 They're the people who have the biggest website. They are the rock stars of this world. And they know who Mary is. Holy shit. This is crazy. What great news. I mean, it's such great news. It's probably really easy to overlook the whole fact that Ruby had a husband that we never heard of before. And we don't mention him again. And we really should have been paying better attention. Because we just got a little clue about the fatal flaw that's going to be bringing down this particular fairy tale. But holy shit, it's the Saskatoon twins! And of course, they have one scene and they're fucking fabulous. And my God, having these people come to you to have work done? I mean, if it was me, it'd be like Bernadette Peters walking in the door right now and asking me to like sew a boob on her back. And I'd be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Well, okay, that's really a horrible analogy, but you know what I mean? It's the Saskatoon twins! Oh, Ruby... Very pleased with how she worked out. Is that how you found me through her website? How we first heard about your work, yeah? 
Finding you was a different matter. Your work is easily accessible online. You might say you're somewhat of a celebrity. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary? That's online? Don't worry. We would never dream of betraying our doctor-patient confidentiality by giving out your full name. But we will be asked about our procedure. People will have lots of questions. You should get a website for your work. We can take care of that for you. Consider it a thank you gift for agreeing to see us. Do you feel connected to anyone, Mary? No. Most people attracted to this culture don't. At least you can feel connected to yourself. I guess everybody feels connected to themselves. Yeah, and nine. I have the benefit of being connected to myself. And my sister. But I know that connection may or may not last beyond this existence. We never want to lose that connection, Mary. Maybe we'll die together and face whatever's to come together. Maybe not. But should anything ever happen to one of us before the other, we want to lose that connection. We want you to take off our left arms and exchange them with one another. Of course you do. You guys are the rulers of this peculiar but increasingly growing on me community. Of course you're going to want to have some bonkers ass shit done on you. Yet the way they describe it, I totally get that. A lot of you don't know I had a twin. Um, He was born, stillborn. And never mind, never mind. You know what that's not about? It's not about me right now. Why are you always making it about you? Because it's your podcast, Patrick? Yes, that's right. But hey, again, in this scene, we get to see the whole surgery, but we don't see it. Because it's not about seeing muscles ripped apart and put back together and blood splashing on the floor. There's a bit of it, artfully done. It's not about that. It's about two people who love each other coming together in a way that's never happened before. Right on. Right the fuck on. And, you know, I guess, you know, the vibes are so good and the future's so bright that she's got to start wearing shades that Mary, well, she decides to go see an old friend that she hasn't seen in a really long time. Hello, Dr. Graff. (laughs) It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's that? I couldn't hear you because your mouth is so shut. I know. Mm-hmm. Yes, you must be terribly uncomfortable. We're just going to take a few pictures of you today for my website. Mm-hmm. My brand new website. Because everyone needs their own website these days. And they can scan these or something. (laughs) That one probably could have been done better. Looks a little bit infected. (laughs) Well, that one healed nicely, though. (laughs) You really 
should have seen it tonight. <clears throat> My work is getting consistently stronger. Comparatively to the work I've done on you, it's rather crude, but then again, you were never something I was excessively proud of before, were you? Oh, really? So unattractive. Well, unfortunately, this little session of, you know, reminiscing and catching up on, you know, old times and stuff like that doesn't last very long because some dude breaks in. This dude is like a security guard or a cop or something. I don't know what he is because he says he's going to call the cop, but he's dressed like a cop, but it's Canada. So who knows? But he breaks in. He's like, oh, my God, I'm going to save you, guy. I'm gonna, you got no arms and no legs and shit. You got your panty hanging on the ground. I'm going to save you. And Mary's like, no, nah, I'm beats him to death with his own nightstick. And then she has to take care of Mr. Grant, too. Mr. Grant. Dr. Grant. You know, I've made it through this whole episode without once going, oh, Mr. Grant. Oh, Dr. Grant. And I've been shocked at my own restraint. Nor have I called Mary, Mary, at any point. But I guess, you know, Mary's life is starting to fall apart right now, and so am I. So let's just go with it. That's just where the art's flowing. But, yeah, so she has to commit two more murders, and this shapes... This whole last section of the film, everything starts to go wrong. Like I said, she's already not always happy with the work. It's not fulfilling her in the way that she wants. And now the wheels are starting to come off the bicycle cart. What's a bicycle cart? I don't know. Leave me alone, okay? I'm trying to do a show here. You know, Mary's starting to get into some existential dread area here. My God, what is this thing that fulfills me in a way... That nothing ever has before. What making me what I've always meant to be? What if it's really not all it's cracked up to be? Is this all there is? That's a big bummer. That's a lot to be holding inside because Mary doesn't let any of this shit out. She holds everything in like a good Irish Catholic girl, which I'm sure she is, Catherine Isabel, but <laughs> redheaded Catherine Isabel. And you might have noticed that this episode is not called titties and shrimp because Mary's about to have a scene with Lance the bodyguard that blew my socks off for this moment of quiet honesty that comes right at the end of it and I will tell you that but first Lance and Mary gotta have a little talk it's a titty bar you can't be moping in a titty bar of course I'm upset. About the two dead guys? It affects me. A few years back, this fucking kid breaks into my mom's house. One of those B&E motherfuckers. She hears somebody downstairs and she grabs her umbrella and heads on down. What the fuck she thought she was going to do with that umbrella, I'll never know. But she heads downstairs and he grabs the fucking umbrella and beats the fucking shit out of her with the goddamn thing. Punctures her eye socket and fractures her jaw, breaks three of her ribs. 
And the little fucker kicks her cell phone just far enough out of her reach so she can't call for help. And then he leaves her there to die. I find her three days later. She's in the hospital for four fucking months. What I wouldn't give to have known you back then when I found that little motherfucker. Don't you ever devalue what you do, Mary. You make sure they deserve it. And don't waste a minute of your time thinking about them after you're done. Okay, to have this guy tell this story about his grandmother and, you know, how some people deserve it, that's one thing. But to just all of a sudden have this big oaf of a man look you straight in the eyes and say, you're an artist, Mary, don't devalue what you do. Blew my socks off. Because that's something that artists need to hear, and they don't hear it a lot. I speak from experience. I mean, as an actor, when I was doing that, much more. Everybody thinks they can act. Everybody thinks they can do it. They have no idea the amount of emotional turmoil you have to put yourself through, and physical turmoil, and and sacrifice to be good at what you do, and to have somebody off the street just be like, blah, 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 blah. It's really easy to get down on yourself and to have that come from such an unexpected place was fabulous then why is the episode called don't devalue yourself mary because of what's going to happen now with the milkshakes it's not a milkshake i got chocolate and vanilla <clears throat> you don't seem like a vanilla Thank you, Lance. You don't seem like a vanilla. Truer words were never spoken. Not that there's anything wrong with vanilla. We're not saying that, but it's just not her. This guy sees her for who and what she is. Flaws and all. And that's a wonderful thing. And what happens next is a visual. She takes a sip of that milkshake and she says, It's really good. The words themselves don't mean much. But right after she says that, she starts sipping it again and her face lights up like a child enjoying a milkshake. Like that simple joy, not forced. For one minute, for like one second in this film, that character was perfectly happy, and it's a magic moment. And it's one of those people that people who don't understand the craft of acting don't get, but trust me, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, and fortunately, it, unfortunately, it's the last bit of happiness before, well, what happens? Yeah. Because, yeah, everything's going downhill. That cop... God damn him. He's back. We gotta do something about him. Now we can't seem to locate Dr. Walsh either. Really? That's awful. Did he have anything to do with Dr. Grant's disappearance? No. But they are related. You see, these two doctors were involved in hosting these sex parties. A lot of the girls involved were drugged and videotaped. Did you know about this? No. I think you do, Mary. 
all those girls Dr. Walsh mentioned were on the tapes. Was I on the tape? No. But I do think you were at one of those parties. And I think Dr. Grant is a monster and that he really hurt you. You're the victim here, Mary, but I can't help you at all if you won't let me. Come on, how close am I? You know what, there's a terrible chip in that glass. I'm gonna get you a new one. Wait, what? There's a chip, what? <gasps> Mary, what did you do? Mary, Mary, were you gonna poison that poor man? If he had said, yes, you were on the tape, you were gonna kill this poor guy? Right there in your own kitchen? And that guy will never know how close he came to death. Another wonderful moment, but it is visual. I'm sorry about that, guys. But it's a podcast. What do you want me to do? And the last piece of the sh- shitty puzzle that she's in is that, oh, God, Nana died. The only true source of light and hope for her in this movie is gone. And, yeah, you got people like Lance around who could, who could tell you that, you know, not to devalue what you do, and he sees you as an artist. And then you have this wonderful speech that Beatrice had earlier on that I didn't. The thugs at Bourbon are scared of me. Mm-hmm. Even Billy. You're not. You're a creative artist. And no one ever understands artists in their work. You know you have to wait till you're dead. Then everyone goes around saying what geniuses you are. And it seems like this that really make me appreciate this movie even more because you've got these characters like Lance and Beatrice who, by all means, should be riding that dark side wave. They're the dark side walking. I mean, he beats the shit out of people for a living and, well, she's a caricature of a person. No, no, she's a, literally a cartoon of a person. I mean, she's got to have some deep-seated problems, yet Lance has always got a smile. For everybody, and you know, maybe other people he's beating up, but he always sees good in people and he finds the best of situations. And Beatrice, Beatrice is optimism on two legs. Always happy, always upbeat, always And it's not fake happy, it's the joy of being who you were meant to be. And that's, I'm blowing my own mind right now. Whew. But unfortunately, that's not enough for Mary anymore. And that's all from the plight of the artist. You know, it's, Beatrice basically said, you're so lucky that, yeah, maybe no one will ever discover you, but you make people happy in a way that nobody else can. What a gift. But, yeah. Okay, I just bummed myself out there, because, and now I don't know, really don't know where I'm going, because then... The movie's getting sad. Everything's getting sad. But yeah, Mary's really looking for somebody to hurt now. Now that Nana's gone, she goes back to the bar literally looking for someone to hurt. And the wheels come off the movie a bit in the last reel only because it doesn't go where you expect it to go in the way you expect it to get there. And I'm not going to spoil everything, but... Because you should see the movie. But uh, what I will tell you, she goes back there and you know, she terrorizes this poor girl who was applying for a stripper's job because, well, as she says, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong dick in her mouth. It was nothing personal. Basically, I just needed to hurt someone and you were here. Ugh. And 
we've had this will they won't they kind of relationship with her and Billy Are, he really likes her the only sex you see that's not rape that you see Karen, uh, Catherine Isabel involved in turns out both to be fantasy sequences and you can see she kind of likes him too and he offers her the glass slipper at the end to get out of town for a while and just go to LA and forget this bullshit for a while and just be people that where no one knows us that kind of a thing you ever been to LA? no you ever wanted to go to LA? I was, I was thinking of a change of pace you know just take a couple weeks off drive down So what you do is you drive from Seattle to Reading, stay the night. The second day, drive on into LA. You don't have to kill yourself on the second day, you know. You know, you can stop in Sacramento. The second day, stay there the night, the third day. Shop in LA, nice and well rested. Sounds like it'd be a lot easier to take a plane. Oh no. No, Mary, driving down's half the trip. You should come with me. We could... We could leave tomorrow. Or tonight. I'll think about it. Maybe I need a change of pace, too. Thanks for the drink. Call me. Let me know. I will. Bye, Billy. Goodbye, Mary. I adore the feeling of tragedy in this scene for what might have been. Not just a relationship between them, but just something else. Something happier. Because you can tell from their voices that neither one of them believes for a second that this trip is ever going to happen. They're never getting out of here. They're stuck. This is it. And when they say goodbye, their tone sounds like it's goodbye forever. And I suppose that's a good thing because it was, in fact, goodbye forever. And I don't think it would have mattered if Mary had said yes to the trip. We're going to leave tomorrow, even if they said, she said, yes, let's leave right now. I probably wouldn't have mattered. Because, well, it's one of those situations where some little insignificant person from way, way long ago has come to wreck it all. And I'm talking about Ruby's husband. Yeah, remember him? We've never even met him. We've never laid eyes on this guy before. Except for when he comes home and sees Ruby for the first time. The new Ruby. The real Ruby, real girl. He is not pleased. And so the fact that this movie, which is such a celebration of every woman in it and the power with it and, and women making something magical and, and, and turning themselves into magical creatures, or not magical, but you know, strange and beautiful things, living pieces of art. That has to come to an end because some guy doesn't have a place to stick his dick anymore. 
And he can't just beat people up. No, he's got to kill them. He's got to destroy everything. And who the fuck are you? We've never even met you. So the first time I saw the movie, I was like, well, yeah, I guess that was the way it did have to end. But as a movie, it's kind of unsatisfying. Now, seeing it again a second time where I know what I'm in for and I could really – that it's not a horror, horror movie – it's not that kind of a movie. There's other things going on that you need to pay attention to that I said, yeah, this is the way it had to end. And it, again, like a fate thing. Or, well, women can't have nice things. We can't be allowed to be happy. They can't be allowed to be individuals. And they certainly can't go destroying my dick hole. Not, not the hole of my dick, but the, where I put, you know what I mean. I'm not trying to be funny right now. But, yeah, patriarchy in a nutshell. Just comes storming in like a, like a bull at a bullfight. And that's that. What's the lesson of American Mary? I'm not sure. There's lots of them. And I could spend a lot of time talking about them, but I think I'd rather hear what you have to say. Because this movie, I, I, this time around, I could say this is a masterpiece. Totally unexpected. Working on so many levels. It's so ballsy to then distribute to the horror community who, let's face it, like their things, for the most part, a certain way. The majority of them. Notice I said them, not you. You know what I mean. We want the same movie over and over again. This is what we want. This is how it has to be. And the fact that the Saskatchewan twins said, no, we're going to tell our story our way. And we're also going to show you what assholes you are when you step all over our shit. So, yeah, I, I have kind of... I'm depressed now. That was it's a great movie. It's not a feel good movie, but I have all the feels as the kids like to say these days and I didn't even mention and I could have. Remember when Duncan and Mark were on the show to talk about Terror Train and we talked about Canadian horror movies for a while, how they always have to have an American flag featured in them somewhere and not like a little one but like a huge one. mentioned that at the Whiskey Go-Go Bar, one entire wall is the biggest American flag you've ever seen because it's American, Mary. It's not made in Canada. It's okay, Canada. We love you now. You're better than us now. Embrace the Canadianness in you and, and we'll embrace you back. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to wrap this segment up. Uh, I do... This has been a really long day. This has been a really long week. And it has been bad. Like, I don't know how much I've told you at this point, but today was just a lot of running around that I didn't need to do. But for a thing that all of a sudden had to be done right now, which meant I couldn't be focusing on the show, which is what I want to be doing. And it's all because of some man who just can't stay out of my goddamn life. And once again, I've made it all about me, so I'm going to stop. I'm going to take my hats off to the Saska Twins for this entire goddamn cast. Fabulous, all the way around. And 
Hooray for Women in Horror Month. I'm sorry it's just a month, but hey, I love the spotlight that you get, ladies. You shimmer in it, and it's fabulous. Because she's American to marry. Cutting off your knuckles. Sewing them on your eyelids. I got nothing. Oh, titties and shrimp. Beautiful, beautiful screamers is going to bring to an end episode 254. Hey, I mentioned that the Saskatoon twins, they, they, they have this big blood drive push in February. So if you are able to give blood this month, go do that. Post about it. Tweet it. Hashtag blood drive. All that good stuff. Women in Harm Month. Do what you can. Get the word out there. It's a great cause. Now, of course, gay men who are sexually active cannot give blood, so I cannot do that. But please, give more of me. Give twice. I don't know. Whatever. I have no idea. So next time, we are going to be talking about the Polish killer mermaid musical, The Lure. And we're going to be joined by Alyssa Simon and Jess Gata, who are from the Moosehead Over the Mantle movie. And we might just be having a giveaway, giving away a copy of that movie to one of you. And that will be super exciting. And if you would like to get in touch with the show for any reason, please... Give me a call. Pick up the phone and dial 917-720-2047. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. You can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens Horror Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Scream Queens and on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. And of course, you know, hey, if you're feeling really excited, head on over to Patreon. Become a patron. If you're a super fan, if you cannot get enough of this show, then you've got to get Mo Show over there. You're going to get Mo Show over at Patreon. So go over there and do that. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. And never, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, baby. And believe me, I've been holding on to those words really tight for the past month now. And you know what? They've worked. Who knew? All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www. Dot bandcamp.com Bitches! <laughs> Ew.